Amen. Isaiah and Advent. Today we're at chapter 35 of Isaiah, the first 10 verses, which is the whole chapter. In uh, the Pew Bible, page 595 is Isaiah 35. Dr. Mueller did Isaiah 11 last week and wonderfully set the historical background for Isaiah and what's going on here. And into that same sort of situation, we get Isaiah speaking in chapter 35. So, uh, verses 1 to 2, we're going to do the first couple verses and the last couple verses, and they're kind of the frame or the bookends within which we can get to the center or the heart of the message. Uh, So you guys over here on the left, just read for us verses 1 to 2 of Isaiah 35, page 595. The wilderness and the dry shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Very good. That's the beginning of this chapter. You guys have the ending or the closing frame, verses 8 to 10, down at the bottom of the page. And let's read that together, you guys. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall the ravenous beast come upon it. All right, thank you very much. So those are the bookends that Isaiah speaks. Uh, either to Israel, the northern kingdom, already exiled in 722 B.C. by the Assyrians, Assyria's present-day Iraq, way to the east, and then speaking also to soon-to-be-exiled, the tribe of Judah and Jerusalem. That happens in 586. They are taken away by the Babylonians, also present-day Iraq, way to the east. And so looking ahead to these people, way off in exile, Isaiah promises things like you see in verses 1 and 8 through that barren wilderness, right? Between Israel and Iraq, it's just desert and oil. But in that wilderness, a highway shall be there to do what? To bring the people back home. And then verse 10, the ransomed of the Lord who will return from their exile shall return and come to Zion. That's how it will turn out in the future For these people of God, though exiled, they will return. And so, those are the bookends. Last Thursday, Dr. Ashman taught us in Hebrew poetry, the central message, the heart of it, is usually right in the middle. So, the central section here, verses 3 and 4, if that's going to be the case, that's the future for God's people in the midst of what they're enduring right now. Verses 3 and 4, let's read those together. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees.
He will come and save you. That's the message. Uh, I spent a lot of time in Romans recently, and sometimes people say, what did you learn? The main thing I learned is Romans is not about us. It's a book about God. And there are many awesome teachings about God in the book of Romans, and two of my favorites are these. Our God is a how much more God. Paul uses that four times to say things like, after being declared righteous now through his blood, how much more will we be saved? And he's a not only, but also God. For example, he called us not only Jews, but also Gentiles. And since Isaiah says the word of the Lord stands forever, grass withers, flowers fade, but his word remains the same. We see those same truths here in Isaiah. Verses 6 to 7, reach back. The last half of verse 6, For waters break forth in the wilderness. Does that sound familiar? And streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunts of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. Water breaking forth in the wilderness. Think back about 700 years to the story of the Exodus, when they got water from the rock repeated times in the wilderness. That's what God is like. And then, mysteriously, Isaiah also looks about 700 years forward. Here's verse 5 and the first half of verse 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Oh, the New Testament says. That comes together when come, O long-expected Jesus is finally answered. However, in the coming of Jesus, things didn't turn out exactly like a lot of people expected. And John the Baptist is one of them. Jesus says, no one born up to that time is greater than John. He's the prophet of God who would prepare the way before the Lord. The crowds flocked out to him. He's at the top of the charts. Things are going great. Then he gets arrested by Herod Agrippa and thrown in jail, and he's languishing in prison. And if that's the Messiah, this isn't turning out exactly like I expected. Please uh, just look forward in the Bible to Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. It's page 816 in the Pew Bible. The Romans are still here. Poverty is still here. Starvation is still here. Economic oppression is still here. Death is still here. John's in prison, and he's saying this didn't turn out how I expected. Let's all read together Matthew 11, verses 1 to 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities.
Are you the coming one? That's the title for the Messiah. And John is wondering. Well, I said you were the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, but it's not going like I thought. So he's troubled, he's doubting, he's wondering, and Jesus' answer is basically, Isaiah 35 is happening. Yes, I am the one, and my ministry of healing proves that I am the coming one. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk. So Jesus' ministry of healing confirms to John and answers his doubts. Just a couple chapters earlier, this is very important, that Matthew describes Jesus' healing in chapter 8, verse 16 and 17. That evening they brought to Jesus many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken for the by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So that suffering servant who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities also took our illnesses and our diseases. So go and tell John. Isaiah 50, 35, let's read together again. To John, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. What about healing today? Yes, Jesus healed, but does it happen for you or your family? Or does it maybe not turn out as you expected when you're battling illness, ongoing struggles, or death? Too often the Christian answer is just to spiritualize the gospel, to say, well, Jesus came to heal, heal our sins, but he doesn't give us healing physically. To which the New Testament says, no. Ours is a not only, but also God. If he gives spiritual forgiveness, how much more will he also grant physical healing? So the answer is yes. Jesus' death and resurrection grants us forgiveness and healing. The only question is when. But he bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. He can heal he will heal. St. Paul believes in the resurrection of the body, which will be powerful, glorified, immortal, incorruptible. And so when Jesus comes again, he will grant complete, whole, physical healing to all those whom he raises. Isaiah 53, verse 5 he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Yes, he paid the price for our sins. But Isaiah goes on to say the punishment that brought us peace was laid on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. That's the full truth of the gospel. I like our banner over here. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge Malachi prophesied that in this coming one, he would come with healing in his wings, like Isaiah 35 prophesied, like Jesus told John. 
the blind, the lame, the deaf, the mute are healed. I am the coming one. But he will come again with healing in his wings for us, for all our loved ones, and for all people. So, in the midst of whatever you might go through, we again hear these great words. Strengthen the weak hands. Join with me. Make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Vengeance, huh? Yes, he will come with vengeance against cancer and AIDS and depression and migraines and all physical illnesses and diseases. He will come with vengeance against sin and evil and death. For him to save us, he has to defeat our enemies. Sickness, sin, death, Satan, he will come to save you. So go back to John the Baptist setting. What about when things don't turn out exactly the way you expected? How was your Thanksgiving? Did it go the way you expected? How about your semester? Weak hands, feeble knees, did it go the way you expected? What about your upcoming Christmas break? Will it turn out as you hope? What about life in general? When you confront those questions, here's two things to take away from today. First, look for gifts under the tree. And you might find some good things under a tree like this, but that's the wrong tree to look for, for the gifts of forgiveness, life, salvation, and healing. Those gifts are found under that tree, where he bore our sicknesses and carried our sorrow, where the punishment that brought us peace was laid on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Look for the gifts under the right tree, the tree of his cross. And then remember Isaiah 35, those central words. Let's close with these and speak them all together again to us this week before finals as we head toward Christmas, as we look ahead toward our life. Jesus coming comforts us with these words. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Here at 